I've been there. I've been in the depths of depression. I've been in the depths of, oh my God, everything, nothing's working right now. What's going on? And nervous system overload. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, the important thing to know about this is that the universe always gives us what we are, first of all, ready to uh, bear. <laughs> and second of all, what will help us heal and get to the depth of our subconscious mind. Hey guys, welcome to our Soul Fam podcast where I interview space holders from all over the world. I am your host, my name is Carolina, and I'm the Connection Catalyst, the coach that helps spiritual entrepreneurs experience deeper connection with themselves, with others, and with the universe. Today on the show, we have Sarah, the founder of Conscious Conversion. Welcome to our show, Sarah. How are you doing? Ah, it's so good to be here. Thank you, Carolina, for that super sweet intro. <laughs> Thank you so much. So maybe some people don't know what conscious conversion is. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about uh, your business and maybe where this idea for the business came from and what does conscious conversion mean to you? Yeah. Okay. Um, first off, I just want to say, I love your energy. I love how uplifting and inspiring you are just in the first moments of the interview. So thank you for that. Uh, I think the world needs that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that that vibrance. <laughs> um, okay. So who am I? I am the founder of Conscious Conversion, which is and has been a digital marketing agency for spiritual entrepreneurs, for soulful thought leaders, for people who are really ushering in the new paradigm or the new earth. And the sort of the underpinnings of it are, you know, we've got 8 billion people on the planet and over 2 billion of them on, for instance, Facebook and Instagram, um, social media. And that's more than what we need for a critical mass to create massive change in the world. And so we can use these tools, whether you love them or not, whether you love the own founders and the CEOs of these tools or not, we can utilize these tools to reach the mainstream and convert them us to a higher level of consciousness that would be contributing to a more sustainable and regenerative planet. So oh, I love that. That sounds amazing. Let's do it. Let's yeah, we, do it. That's what we I need mean, to on do. the practical 3D realm, we do Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Google ads, organic social media, funnel building strategy, all that stuff. That's that's the 3D realm of what we do, but we we uh, we're also operating, you know, on other levels. <laughs> other dimensions of reality, for sure, for sure. And we need more and more conscious businesses like that. And I feel like the world is actually coming into this new earth where the old way of doing business is not even going to work anymore because it's not really that much about all these logical things and about like business strategies and hard work and making, you know, struggling to make money. It's about actually being in the energy that is receptive, that is open, that is uplifting, and then everything comes and flows. And I've been, uh, we've been recently in Nosara together uh, in Costa Rica. So and fun. there I see yeah. how much fun. <laughs> there I see all these people that have very successful businesses and none of these people make business with hard work. They're like, okay, I manifested this person coming into my life and I met this one, you know, playing golf or, you know, doing some cool things. It's not like they are putting so many hours, like working 20 hours a day to make ends meet. It's more like being in the flow of the universe and being receptive and open and conscious in your actions and in your decisions to make your business work. So what does conscious conversion um, specifically mean? for you? Well, for one, I love the alliteration, right? I love the, the conscious conversion, the way it sounds. So there's that piece of it. Um, and then there's where it came from was I had, um, I created a tagline. I had a, another name for the business called resonate with Sarah for a couple of years. And I recently in 2021 went through a rebrand and called, recalled it conscious conversion. My tagline at, uh, my old, at the same agency re with a different name was reach resonate, consciously convert. So what that means is basically you're reaching into, when I said there's 8 billion people on the planet and over 2 billion of them on social media. So you're reaching into those, into that masses, into those masses, into the mainstream world. You're reaching with into the, into that world and then resonating with them 
So like energetically, how can you meet them where they're at? How can you reach into their hearts and minds and resonate where they're at and then consciously convert them? So it's not about, like you said, it's not about like icky sales and, you know, like the old bro, um, old school marketing and like hustle, 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 push, push, push. It's how can we consciously convert people, not just into sales, because that's what we talk about in digital marketing, right? It's like conversions, sales. Um, How many conversions did you get on this ad on Facebook, whatever. So there's a double meaning there, but it's also conversion into a more regenerative way of living conversion into the new paradigm, conversion into what we hope to be an evolution of our planet and humanity. Mm, Amazing. I love that. Yeah, let's all convert into the new earth. (laughs) That's the point. That's the point. So what would you say to all these people who don't really know how to go about creating a conscious business, like a spiritual business? Because there are many people who already have businesses, but maybe they just started their spiritual journey and they don't really know about the new approach to business, the more, let's say, higher vibrational approach. And they are still in this uh, old paradigm of, you know, struggling to make ends meet and just, uh, you know, converting on ads and trying to close the sale no matter what. What would, what would your advice be to them? Well, I mean, in some ways it's kind of, it's a tough place to be. And I, I've been there before and I've had clients who've been there before. I've, I've worked in another agency where that's, where that's sort of the, how it was. And the biggest issue I think with that place is that there's a, um, a pretty significant misalignment. So there's something happening that things are not falling into place. Cause I, I fully believe this. I have to remind myself all the time y'all, because I have my own moments, you know, where I'm going through the dark nights of the soul. But I do believe that when we are in alignment, especially the end, when we, yeah, when we're in alignment sort of with the evolution of the planet, when we're in alignment with our highest calling and our purpose, things fall into place like it does in Nosara for those folks that we met. Things fall into place and it might not be immediate. It might be an eventual falling into place. But when you're having to hustle and push and pull and strive, there's probably some sort of misalignment happening. So I would say the advice there is to, you, you've got to start digging deep. You've got to do the spiritual work. Entrepreneurship is the hero's journey. It's spiritual, deep spiritual work where you actually have to go inside and find what is my purpose and how can I contribute to, to the planet? What's my niche? What is my specific niche in this planet? And how can I speak like everybody and their mother's doing Facebook ads now? And there's all sorts of like coaches who coach coaches about coaching. So how can you <laughs> how can you craft your message to be so specific that your ideal audience and it might be 0.0001%, but 0.0001% of um 2 billion is a lot of people. Um how can you craft your message so that you speak directly to the hearts and minds of those people? No matter how small of an audience it is, everybody else might laugh at you. Everybody else might say, who the hell are you? That doesn't make any sense. But that 0.001% of 2 billion will hear it and say, oh my God, Carolina gets me. She understands my soul. I want to work with her. So that's the conscious conversion. It's not, you're not actually having to strive or struggle. You're just speaking from the heart and somebody resonates with it. Mm, Yeah, that's so on point. And I resonate with what you just said, because when I saw I worked with some, you know, people and leaders and uh, business owners that were doing the things just for money, just to get more clients, just and they didn't really do it because of their soul's calling. And they didn't even sometimes do something that they have been going through or they actually utilize. Like I know people who have, you know, for example, website about health and, and, uh, you know, diet and they are not even on a diet and they don't really care about their health or, you know, people who are salespeople and they sell something that they don't even believe in just for money. And I worked with people doing, you know, my methods of healing, like completion process, inner child work, belief change. And suddenly people who have been hardcore salespeople in some businesses turn into, for example, doing rap music or working with completely something else because this was their authentic calling. And they didn't even know 
before that, before doing shadow work and digging deep, as you said, that they are doing something that is completely misaligned and then they need to push harder if it's misaligned because then you have internal resistance to what you're doing, right? Because not all parts of you are in alignment with this calling. So if you have to push, if you have to struggle, if you have to, you know, really put a lot of hard work, that means that it's might, might be not the best thing for you to do if you have to struggle so much. Because as you said, if you do something that is like your highest calling, and especially something that you've helped yourself to go through, then you can go and help others to go through the same thing. Like, for example, I've, I had a lot of self-esteem issues and powerlessness and victimhood, abandonment wounds, and now I know exactly what to do to get someone out of this space of having low self-esteem or, you know, feeling abandoned or betrayed or whatever else, because I know how it feels. So now I can help others to do the same, right? And as well with the business, like I know how it feels to try and struggle and push in the business. And I also know how it feels to just say, okay, the universe, please give me this much money. Please, I'm opening myself up to new clients. And then bang, I meet someone on the street or, you know, somewhere in the restaurant and um, he become, becomes my new client. So I know exactly uh, what you're talking about. And it's so important that people know that if there is push, then there is misalignment. I think it's mm. such an important message to deliver because not everyone really experienced it. Yeah. Uh, right? Thank you for that. I, I totally agree. And, you know, the other piece of that is, the other side of the coin is to have the trust that things are falling into place even when it doesn't feel like it is also important. Because when you're pushing and you're like, oh God, everything's misaligned. It's terrible right now. If you just take a step back, breathe, calm down the nervous system and trust that everything, if you're pushing, that's because the universe is sending you a message or your higher self is sending you a message or someone says something um, on some interdimensional plane is sending you a message. And if you just breathe and take a step back, things will fall into place. Things will come in and it might be the crumbling of what you thought you were doing. <laughs> It might be the building of something brand new that you had no idea that you were doing. But taking that deep breath and returning to self and know, and trusting that even when it's hard, things are working in your favor is so important. Um, and I know that for the same reasons that you know that. And that is because I've been there. I've been in the depths of depression. I've been in the depths of, oh my God, everything, nothing's working right now. What's going on? and nervous system overload. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, the important thing to know about this is that the universe always gives us what we are, first of all, ready to uh, bear. <laughs> and second of all, what will help us heal and get to the depth of our subconscious mind. Because if we treat every challenge as an opportunity to learn and to grow and to heal, whatever is there that it's bringing up for us from the shadows into our awareness, then it's a completely different story with this approach than if we struggle and we just go into this downward spiral of like, oh my God, this is not working. Oh my God, I, I'm not going to be able to do this. And of course, sometimes it means letting go of some old identity or maybe letting go of some tasks that we thought that we're going to do and we are not able to do it anymore and being gentle with ourselves. But oftentimes, if something is given to us by the universe, for example, yeah, this feeling of being overwhelmed, it's because we have this feeling stored in our body from childhood um, for, you know, 20, 30 or whatever plus years that we now need to look into and actually go through it and let it out of our body. Because once we let this overwhelm out and help us, how our nervous system to calm down, as you said, then we realize, oh my God, it's actually not that big of a deal as it seemed to me an hour ago when I was still going through the feeling of overwhelm and anger and frustration or whatever else the feeling is. So I feel like keeping this in mind that we always get from the universe what we need to have to heal and then trusting that whatever you know follows is the right, the highest um, thing for us, for our expansion and soul growth. It makes, it makes the journey way easier from my experience to have this positive outlook on all these challenges. Would you agree? 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's, in fact, it's absolutely necessary for me to do that. I mean, I, one has to let oneself have their, their emotions and release them. Um, and for me, the way to do that is to listen to certain kinds of music that will help me sort of like dance it out or cry it out or move and express in some way. And then I need to return after that, after I've released whatever I need to release, I have to return to the positive, to that positive thinking. And I have to say that, I mean, this podcast is, is soul fam, right? And it, it really helps to be surrounded by soul family. It really helps to be surrounded by people who can accept you for where you are and uplift you from wherever you are when needed. Um, and I certainly found that in you, my dear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I get it. And I agree with that, that it's so important to, to have people to uplift you and that you can talk to. And I feel like this brings us again to the conscious conversion. I feel like I would like to convert people to be open and authentic and vulnerable with their feelings and to create more and more people that are the soul fam all over the world that are open to other people experiencing their deepest traumas, their deepest negative emotions, because I feel like their society nowadays is still not open enough to people expressing emotion. You know, if you're in a supermarket and you start crying because something triggered you, people are still not quite, you know, feeling good about someone else crying next to them in the supermarket. But I would like to consciously convert everyone to be authentic, to be vulnerable and not to be scared of sharing their authentic feelings in the moment, because this is how we can heal. And if we can have people around us to hold space for us and to you know, go even deeper into our feelings, our world would be a better place if every single person in the world did that. So absolutely, I agree. We need Solfan. That's why we're doing what we're doing, recording this podcast, getting more and more people to uh, talk about this stuff because it's extremely important. So you mentioned a few ways of how you release emotions when you're overwhelmed and when something is not working um, in your business. For example, dancing or shaking or releasing. So can you elaborate a bit more on that? Like, What are your most effective ways of dealing with emotions when something in your business goes wrong? I mean, I, I do. I definitely lean on my friends. I, I am somebody who is an out loud processor and I need to be able to talk about things to people. And it, you know, certainly it's a, you know, I'm not going to talk up to everybody about it, but there are some people in my life that I feel really comfortable with. Um, when it's something around business, I have friends that I can talk to about that. When it's something around, you know, relationships, romantic relationships, I have someone I can talk with about that. But having people that I can fully express to who can hold that space, hold that container, handle it if I cry, maybe even help help me cry. Because sometimes I'm so sort of in my masculine so much with working and being a single mom and all this stuff that like getting myself to slow down and be emotional can be hard for me. So I love it when I have friends who can like lovingly prod me in just the right ways so that I can release my emotions and cry. I'm so grateful when that can happen. And But at, on my own, um, it's so important for me to get up early before my child wakes up and put some AirPods, some music on and listen to the music and sort of surrender myself to the music. And, you know, I, I curate it a little bit. I create playlists and stuff like that. Or I, I look at other people's playlists sometimes if I don't know what to listen to. But I, I really try to curate an, um, a, an emotional experience that will help me release something, whether that's listening to really sad music, to if I feel like there's something in me that needs to cry, listening to really angry sounding music, if it's something that where I need to re- stomp and shake and release something that's more frustrated or anxiety, or, you know, sometimes it's just tapping into the divine feminine priestess power that maybe I, I've lost sight of. And I put on, I have a, you know, more music around that than I do anything else, because that's my favorite state of being. <laughs> Finding that music that like really like, where I'm like lighting Palo Santo or sage and like lighting candles and pulling cards and dancing and um, being my most sort of authentic, expressive feminine self. Um, I try to always get to that point at least once every day in the morning. (laughs) And that helps me a lot. 
Beautiful. So it's like your routine that every day you wake up and you put the music on and you work on yourself, right? Yeah. I mean, I've fallen off the wagon, girl. I have fallen off the wagon. So I'm not going to claim that it happens every morning, but when it does happen every morning, I'm a much better person. Um, and it's really important for me. Um, so yeah, every morning I wake up around five, five thirty, put on my, I, I break out the yoga mat, light candles, create a little mini ceremony for myself, put in my AirPods and I try to have a good solid two hours. Now that might seem crazy to some people. I started with five minutes. Um, 2017, I started with dancing to one song every morning for five minutes. And I found that so enjoyable that I started to extend it and I added, well, maybe I'll do some yoga too. Maybe I'll add a little meditation. Maybe I'll bring out some tarot cards and pull some cards too. Hey, maybe I'll light some candles. And so it became now this like two hour practice where sometimes it takes me 20 to 30 minutes to fully drop in. And then I am so, I've got this amazing spaciousness to do all this like magical deep alignment work. That's amazing. And it's so good to know that you started from five minutes because I feel like people who hear, oh my God, she has a two hour practice. It's never going to work for me. I'm never going to find time for that. But you don't need to start from two hours. You can start from five minutes. And when you enjoy it and when you see how it changes your life, then you're going to be like, oh my God, I'm going to find another 10 minutes. I'm going to wake up half an hour earlier or maybe even more. And then you can extend your practice. That's beautiful. And I found when I meditate in the morning for half an hour, at least when I wake up, my whole day is completely set up differently because I start from relaxation. I start from quieting the mind. I start from connecting to my soul. And then the it kind of spills over the whole day. And I found that the days that I do that, and I'm also not going to claim that I do it every single day. Sometimes I don't, but I really try my best to do because I can see how big of an effect it has on my life if I actually do start the morning with the routine rather than reaching out for my phone or checking the messages or, you know, emails or whatever else there is, because there is always something on our to-do list. So it's so good to find the time to relax first and to quiet the mind first before we do anything else. So thank you for sharing that. It's actually helpful for me as well to know that you've started from five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <clears throat> so I'd like to talk a little bit about you being a single mom, because I'm personally so proud of you and of how well you're doing as a single mom and someone who is conscious in their parenting. And, and I feel like maybe there will be some single moms listening to it that can get really inspired because you're running a business, you're traveling all the time, you have a, uh, a kid that, you know, goes to school and you always need to make sure that he's okay, make sure that he has, um, you know, uh, a nanny or someone to take care of him while you're focused on your business. But you're doing such a great job with multitasking and managing all these things. So I wanted to ask you, for, for single moms who are not that feeling that empowered within themselves, not, they don't think that they can travel or they can, you know, do all this stuff that you are doing, what would be your advice or tip to them to make them feel a little bit more empowered and so that they know that even though there can be many different life conditions that they are at right now, they are the powerful creator in their own life and they can make things happen. And it's not always easy, but they can. So what would you say to them? I love this question um, because, well, first off, thank you for the the kind words sometimes it sometimes i my nervous system gets overloaded and i'm overwhelmed i'm like what the heck am i doing um and i'm super grateful that i have i've stuck through and i think about the times in my life where things felt completely insurmountable where i'm like i don't know how i'm going to get from a to b there is no path forward there's no linear path that i can take it's just hopeless <laughs> i have felt like that in the past and really what has helped me and not to be to, um, oh, I don't want to say the, that expression, not to, you know, repeat myself too much. Um, what has helped me is that morning practice, which includes prayer and surrender and empowerment. I created a playlist called I am at cause. I am at cause, which was inspired by an Oracle card in the sacred rebels deck. Um, and 
that playlist, every time I heard a song that made me feel like I could weave my own reality, um, I put it on that playlist. And every morning I would dance to that playlist or listen to that playlist and remind and, and pray and write in my journal and realize and know that I am the creator of my own reality. And that doesn't mean that it's going to happen quickly. I decided in 2017 that I wanted to, um, quit my, my, um, government job and move to Costa Rica. It didn't actually all fall into place until August, 2019. So it took some time, but it was insurmountable. I mean, there are so many things as a single mom, you have to navigate, you have to navigate custody and harmony, harmonious, harmonious relationships with family. And, you know, with mm-hmm. your, your partner or ex-partner, you want to navigate money situation, finances. There's so many different things to navigate in life. And I would say that for me, the, the practice of waking up every morning, praying and, and tapping into my own creative power and, and then having patience. I think like the number one key to manifestation, one of them is patience. Know that it's coming, know that it's happening and take the steps to get there. It's kind of like this, 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 this liminal space, this area, this where you are in a place of empowerment and surrender at the same time, when you're in a place of active creation and trust at the same time of in problem solving and, and full, just letting go at the same time. I don't know if that mm. was said enough though, because it's, it is, it is a journey to be a single mom and building your business and traveling and, and living that life. It's definitely a journey. Yeah, of course. And, you know, it's not uh, a surprise to me to hear that it's a journey and it might be challenging, but I really like what you're saying about taking action and letting go at the same time. And I feel like people struggle with it because there are, different teachings in spiritual field, like, okay, let go and let God, just let the universe do everything for you. Yeah. But I always say with my belief change methods, uh, to my clients, when we're working on some beliefs, if you have a belief that you're a multimillionaire and you just sit on the couch and do nothing for the whole day, you're probably not going to get anywhere. And you're probably not going to be a multimillionaire because you can have all kinds of the beliefs that you want, but you know, if you don't take action, even tiny steps. It doesn't have to be massive action once you have this belief. But if you don't take any action, nothing is going to come your way because you need to open the door of the universe, giving you some situations, people, places that will open you up to more and more possibilities. So I love this balance between taking action and letting go, doing something, but also trusting. And even if something is not in your reality yet, knowing that it's on the way and really trusting it. That's what religion is talking about when they say faith, right? Have faith. It's like, believe, believe that the universe loves you and it provides for you everything that you want. It's just your emotions and your doubts or hesitation or worry or fear that is blocking you. It's kind of like putting this um, request to the universe on hold and it cannot come to you until you are open and positive and receptive and you allow through these positive emotions for everything to flow to your life and fall into place. So I love this, uh, this thing about letting go and taking action at the same time, because this is what we need to do. And it sounds the opposite, <laughs> but this is actually what we need to do if we want to manifest things in our lives. So thank you for sharing that. That's, that's really beautiful. I love that. So I actually, I'm really curious because I've never asked you this question. Um, even in our friendship, how did your spiritual journey start? Like when, and where was it when you discovered maybe that you are a spirit in the human body or did you always have this feeling inside? Oh, that's such a, um, I mean, I feel like we could all each write a, an entire memoir about that, right? Our, our individual spiritual journeys. Um, so I, w- I was raised in, in Southern Missouri, which is hot, a, a, a very strong buckle of the Bible Belt. Um, very like 
Southern Baptist. Um, and I went to a small school that was very Christian Baptist religious. And from the beginning, I did not resonate. And I just was born that way. I just did not resonate with that. And I felt pretty spiritual. Um, and I was so resistant to religion that I didn't recognize it as spirituality. So I went in the direction of reason, agnosticism, and atheism for several years. Um, and when I would tell some of my more spiritual friends that, they would say, you're the most spiritual atheist I've ever met in my entire life. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't... <laughs> It wasn't, I think, until, and I, you know, I read Celestine Prophecy probably at age 13 or 14 was like, oh, that's cool, you know, but it's just a coping me mechanism to deal with the non-existence of all God, of God, <laughs> you know, like I really like <laughs> reasoned my way out of it a lot because of the impact of religion um, I saw on the, on the planet and on my community. And so I would say that like, I had lots of spiritual epiphanies as I got older and older and older. One of the one of the first ones that comes to mind was in 2007. Um, I, a friend of mine um, recommended, strongly recommended reading The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And it just, something opened up in me when I read that. I listened to it actually. It was an audio book. And I listened to it on my commute to and from work, which was like an hour long each way. And I, it opened something up in me. And it helped me, it helped me, I, I put away my, what is it that called? Like I just, I put away my disbelief and I, I just dove into Eckhart Tolle's voice and his world and it, it opened something up within me. So the impact of friends, soul family, recommending books, the impact of spiritual thought leaders and, um, and truth sayers, like I, I can't, you know, now reflecting back on having read the Celestine prophecy and all those friends who told me I was the most spiritual atheist they'd ever met. I'm like, yeah, I mean, now <laughs> at this point, it's like, oh, I'm remembering that I'm this like angelic being that came to be in this human body at this time. And it sounds, cr maybe it would have sound crazy to, to somebody else, but like, I have this deep inner knowing and I have signs all over the place showing me. And um, so that was one of them. Another, another one I'll just briefly mention because it's really significant was in 2017, February, 2017, coming down to Costa Rica, um, to, to a yoga retreat with my, my favorite teacher, um, Sean Tabor, who's based in Maui in Hawaii now, um, and his partner Munai, who's also my mentor and dear friend. Um, I came to their retreat in Costa Rica and I had this epic moment at a waterfall. I was like, I was at this point of this, you know, I, I told you earlier that I had moments of desperation and depression in my life. And this was one of them, the micro and the macro. I was like, the world is falling apart. My life is falling apart. I give up. I'm done. And I surrendered to a waterfall and that waterfall spoke to me so clearly that I tattooed her on my arm. <laughs> but she basically, she said to me, you know, we aren't going to throw you off the planet because you are earth. You are part of earth. And our preference would be for you all to wake up. Basically, like this planet has an autoimmune disorder or some sort of cancerous disorder where humans have turned against our own selves, our own evolution and our own planet. And if we can just each wake up and be a light ourselves, wake up to who we truly are, to our own divinity, then, then the whole world can shift for the better. And so much can happen. All is not lost. It is not hopeless. We can get from, from here to there if we truly, truly, truly wake up to our purpose and um, be the light that we are. And it sounds so cheesy, even just coming out of my mouth, coming from my atheist background. <laughs> true. <laughs> it is true. I completely agree. And that just reminds me of this one uh, thing that I used to believe uh, because, you know, one person can have massive impact if we just share our beliefs and if we share our light. And in the past, I thought, 
oh, so what if I'm going to stop eating meat? The animals are going to be killed anyway because there is such a mass meat production and it's not going to change anything. And so what if I do it? But then I stopped eating meat and then all my friends stopped eating meat. My mom stopped eating meat. And suddenly it became like a massive domino effect of me telling my friends who told their friends, who told their friends. And then from one person, a massive shift in being vegetarian uh, came right from it started from me and i'm just like wow now i barely have any friends who eat meat because i showed by example how amazing i feel when i don't eat it how much lighter i feel how more aligned it seems to me and my soul and i feel like it just shows me how big of an impact one person with their shift of belief can have on other people because if it's actually the change for the better other people see it and they can really feel the change within you. And then they are like, oh my God, what did you do that you feel so much better, so much lighter? And then they get inspired and they do the same. So if you share love, positivity, joy, and all these beautiful light vibrations, and you know, you fill yourself up with it and you teach people how to do it, or maybe just being an example, you don't even have to tell anything to anybody, just be an example and shine your light. And this will bring more and more light to the world. And at some point, we're going to reach this critical mass. I believe it. We're going to do it. And we're in the process of doing it for sure. And another thing that I wanted to mention is that it's funny because my first book about spirituality that I read that I didn't even know is about spirituality is The Celestine Prophecy as well. And it's a <laughs> funny story because, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really funny because once when I still was not in the, you know, spiritual world, let's say it was before my spiritual awakening. I was in Estonia, in Tallinn. I lived in this hostel. I was on Erasmus student exchange. And I met this uh, guy that was traveling with his 10 or 11 year old son. And he just took him out of school for a year and they were just traveling all over Europe. I was like, oh my God, this is so inspiring. It's amazing that they do it. And when they left, we didn't get to say goodbye. And he texted me a message. Hey, there is a little something for you in your kitchen box. Check it out. And then I went to the kitchen and I saw this book, The Celestine Prophecy. And I was like, oh, this is so nice that this person gave me this book, right? I didn't, didn't know why, but apparently he liked me. Uh, his name was Jonathan. And I'm, if he ever listens to it, I'm super grateful for this book because it opened me up to this idea that everything is energy. And it was funny because it was before my spiritual awakening, but it sparked this idea about spirituality, about energy within me. So it's pretty interesting, the synchronicity that our journey kind of started from the same book that we didn't probably even know that is going to result in such a big expansion of spiritual, um, let's say, energy in our life. So it's uh, it's pretty interesting I to mean, think it about it. It's, it's amazing. There's we, we both spoke to this power of, you know, James Redfield is the author of that book, I believe. And so there's that, that, you know, author and thought leader. And then there's that Jonathan who brought you the book. And the impact of, of those two things is so special. And then the woman who told me to dance to one song every morning, you know, for five minutes, that woman, my dear sister, Camille had such a huge impact on me. And then that impact ripples so vastly because that was, when I started doing that, that was another level of spiritual awakening for me. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, that's so cool. I, I love the power of, of books and the power of, of, friends giving each other books <laughs> exactly right and you know what's even more funny the same person jonathan was the one who recommended me the book a new earth by eckhart tolle Aww. and this book changed my life as well it was <laughs> like half a year afterwards and this was the second spiritual book that i read and it was after my first spiritual awakening on um psychedelic experience with mushrooms. And this book was kind of like an explanation of everything I've experienced on my psychedelic trip. And I was just like, oh my God, this person literally speaks to everything that I've already experienced, but I didn't know how to, let's say, organize it in my mind because it was just too much. And I didn't know what ego is. And I didn't know how to approach personality and what are all these programs and these thoughts. And then I wrote A New Earth and I was like, 
oh, this is amazing. Finally, someone explains to me what I've experienced in a simple language. So as you said, sometimes one person can change our whole life, right? Can, can just lead us somewhere or show us something that will affect like a butterfly effect <laughs> that will affect our whole life. So this is amazing. And that's why we are speaking on this podcast as well, because maybe we're going to inspire someone to dance every day. Or maybe we're going to inspire someone to read a hard toys book. Maybe it's going to change their life as well. So we never know uh, what kind of impact we can have on others. Oh, I love that. <laughs> this is so beautiful. I love chatting to you. I, I, I just am enjoying this conversation so much. So I actually um, would like to ask you, because I know that you've done a few or many <laughs> plant medicine ceremonies. <clears throat> I wanted to ask you, what do you think is the impact of these ceremonies on your business? Because I know that a lot of people who might listen to this podcast are maybe healers and coaches and people with the conscious businesses as well. And not maybe not all of them have done plant medicine so far. And I wanted to talk about how do you feel like the plant medicine ceremonies and everything you've worked through on the ceremonies and afterwards in the integration process impacted the way that you show up in your business? Wow. I love this question. I love it. Um, and I don't have like a, a ready answer. So totally off the cuff here, but my very first, I did, I did psychedelics as a teenager, I did mushrooms and acid as a teenager. And I, I, I was super drawn to it, just like spirituality. I was so drawn to it. Um, and yet I didn't remember yet what my connection was to it or why. And my first ceremonial plant medicine experience is actually an apex for many. I mean, it would be somebody's pilgrimage to Mecca. And it was my first one. And it was in Peru in Chavin de Huantar, which is basically the pilgrimage spot for um, a medicine called Huachuma, which is also known as San Pedro. And I had the honor of being invited in a small group, not a retreat, nothing organized, to, to go to this temple, this ancient pre-Incan temple, and experience this Huachuma plant medicine, the strongest medicine on the planet, in my opinion. Um, in this temple for two weeks straight. And that was my entree into psychedelic entheogen plant medicine journey. And it was in 2018. So I had already started my agency. So the two, my starting of my agency and plant medicine are very linked so much so that my res, my resonate with Sarah, the name of my agency before I named it conscious conversion, the logo was the Andean um, cross that, that, um, you know, the Peruvian cross. So, and I know that sounds like cultural appropriation, but it was so heavy for me. It was so strong for me that my mission is to, is to amplify the messages that are received when one is in ceremony like that. So, um, it was sort of like my, my promise to the world that those messages, which I believe that plant medicines are basically, when done in a ceremonial way and with intention, are Mother Earth speaking to humans through through this form. It's a way for us to more explicitly hear her voice. You know, surrendering at a waterfall is one way. Another way is to take psychedelic plant medicines. <laughs> um, so at this at this temple during this two week period. I remember having, and this is long story short, I remember having this, the, the deep awareness and understanding of all of those platitudes, the as above, so below, as within, so without, um, your inner world is a reflection of your outer world. Your outer world is a reflection of your inner world. We are all one, you know, everybody is sort of their own, you know, avatar. Like I just had all of these revelations, um, that, more explicitly sort of lended themselves to my purpose in life. And my purpose in life is to help amplify the message that of, of evolution on this planet and, um, you know, for humanity and for, for the earth. And I believe that's what these medicines do. And so it's had a huge impact on my business because I dedicate myself, this vessel, this body and my business to be a channel for the evolution of humanity and for the planet. And plant medicine helps me keep that channel 
clear and listening as much as possible. I'm microdosing on um, Wachuma right now as we speak. Oh, beautiful. That's amazing. <laughs> and what does the microdose of Wachuma give you? What? How does it change your state of mind? Well, I just started. This was my day three. I've... Um, I, I'm very reverent of this medicine. So I, I have the this medicine and I've been sitting on it for a long time because I'm so reverent and I really want to um, be an apprentice of this medicine. And so I've been waiting for the divine timing to, to start with it. And I talked to my mentor about it a few days ago and she said, let's go ahead and get you on a, on a microdosing schedule. So we just started it. Um, I would say that it's, you know, you can't, when you're truly microdosing, you can't feel explicitly feel the impact of a psychedelic on, on you. You don't start seeing things. You shouldn't start seeing things or feeling things. You should be able to have podcast interviews and meetings and logistics and look at spreadsheets and be fine, but it's still doing mm -hmm. something to the neural pathways in your brain. It's still having an impact to the neural pathways in your heart. It's still in your, you know, in your gut, it's still doing the work internally, just on a much more subtle level. Um, and what I find with Wachuma specifically, although other plant medicines do this too, Wachuma just happens to be my favorite is that it cre it helps to facilitate a collective consciousness when it's done with intention. It helps to facilitate a relational field between people and between, um, beings. So a relational field between me and this tree, a relational field between you and me. So my, my hope and intention for this microdosing experience is, to feel even deeper and even stronger the relational field between me and my clients, me and my team, me and you, um, my neighbors, my child, the planet, the trees, to really strengthen that bond and that connection. Mm, that's a beautiful intention you got. Thank you for that. I'm intending for the same. <laughs> And yeah, I love Wachuma as well. I've done it in Costa Rica uh, three times this year. And I found that for me, this medicine brings the healing to the masculine in a way, the masculine within and the masculine outside of us. And for me, the experience was that I, I did it three times and every time it was something different. But the most powerful experience for me was when I was seeing the face of my father um, with eyes closed in front of me and I was just forgiving him for any anything that he you know brought to my life that I didn't like and I was just releasing with every words every time I said I forgive you the wave of emotions were, was coming out of me and I was crying things out and shouting things out and I felt like this really healed my relationship with the divine masculine in general and we we're told by our shaman that San Pedro is like a grandfather energy. It has nothing to prove. And it's, it's like a healed masculine energy that comes in. And then we can heal the relationship with our grandfathers, fathers, and any other masculine energy that was, you know, that hurt us in the past or we didn't have a good relationship with. And for me, it was really the very, very powerful experience because afterwards I also had my grandfather's energy who passed away a few years ago come in and I was healing the you know relationship with him in terms of like I was missing him and expressing things to him that I didn't get to say in the physical world and it was a beautiful healing experience and I don't think that the dose was super strong but for me on an emotional level it was one of the most beautiful clearing healing experiences ever so uh, wachuma is also one of my favorite plant medicines and i would highly recommend it to anyone who feels like they might have some stuck energy in between themselves and some masculine figure in their life and also maybe if they have resistance to the masculine within because it's not only about healing the external it's actually healing the the internalized relationship between us and our parent or our caregiver or whoever else it was our ex for example or anyone else that could have hurt us in the past so i would really highly recommend but of course uh, always when i recommend plant medicine do it with someone who knows what they are doing never do it alone never do it for fun always do it with intention and i really want to 
highlight that because it's so important that people don't treat these medicines as recreational drugs or anything like that because that's not the way to do this and I certainly do not recommend this. And it's so good to do it in nature as well and with people who you can really trust and who, who can hold space for you when you're going through your shit because sometimes these medicines can bring up stuff from our subconscious mind that we do not want to see and we do not want to look into. Is that what you experience sometimes as well? <laughs> yes, I mean, for sure. And Wachuma, I find, even though I find it to be extremely powerful, there's something gentle about it. Maybe that's speaking to divine masculine energy of like being able to stand in strength and power and be really, really strong um, while also being... Um, gentle and kind. That's how I would, how I would describe the, the Wachuma. Um, so I have had some of those experiences with Wachuma, but I would say that my most conf confronting experiences have been with ayahuasca. Um, mm. which some people say is that, I mean, I don't know about assigning gender to these plants. I think in some ways it's really functional and useful to think about it that way. And in some ways it's so transcendent of that. And people do, um, talk about ayahuasca as the grandmother and she's in some ways kind of the opposite of Wachuma, right? So Wachuma is this erect um, cactus, right? That's like a, mm -hmm. like a pillar. And it's, it's reaching towards the sun, which is solar, which is masculine. It's consciousness. And then you have the vine, the ayahuasca vine, which is close to the earth. And it's much more about storytelling and folklore and and the shadows and you do it at nighttime and it's about the moon and the darkness and facing your, your shadow and shedding light on your shadow. And then everything opens up into this beautiful, you know, awakening at the end, once you've done all of that. So my more, my deep, deep and in, intense experiences have been more with the ayahuasca. And I want to just reiterate what Carolina is saying, which is, you definitely want to have somebody you deeply trust um, to facilitate the experience. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a shaman, you know, because there are shamans who are, you know, dangerous too. It needs to be somebody who has worked with the medicine before, who's worked with it a lot and who you have a soul connection with and that you feel like that you can deeply, deeply trust to help facilitate and navigate you through that experience. Um, yeah. So I just want to reiterate that and yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks for that. And so would you like to share any of your ayahuasca experiences for the people who have not tried it? Because I haven't tried ayahuasca before. I would like to, but I feel like I really need to feel internally ready for that. And it's just not my time yet. It hasn't called me. But would you like to share any of the experiences that were the most profound for you, the most powerful? My first experience, I, I don't my first experience kind of stands out as my favorite. And I, I, I've, I'm a little bit like not, I'm not calling in ayahuasca anymore. Right now I'm really all about the Wachuma. I think that's where my best healing can happen. But I, I think I've done ayahuasca seven times so far in my life. And the very first time was shortly after moving to Costa Rica in 2019. And it wasn't with a shaman. It was with um, a woman. And it was an all-woman ceremony. It was five of us, just five of us in a house, um, in, in Costa Rica. And we didn't have like, you know, musicians. I mean, I think one woman had a guitar and, but they played music, uh, a playlist. So it was very non-traditional in some ways. And yet it was so profound. Um, the house that we were doing it in was this, um, of a woman. She wasn't there at the time we were using her house, but she wasn't there. It was, um, she was a midwife, and so, and, and studied ancient, um, prehistorical goddess culture. And so she had like the Venus of Willendorf and this birthing without boundaries tapestry up and all of this iconography, this feminine female power, ancient iconography. And I went into the ceremony, this all woman ceremony surrounded by feminine um, iconography. And wow, just even saying that. And then after talking about how ayahuasca is this feminine um, grandmother medicine, it's so profound that that was my first experience. Um, but yeah, I remember there was one woman next to me who was going through it. I think she was dealing with a lot of trauma 
Um, it felt like it was deep ancestral, maybe sexual trauma, um, because she was crying out the whole time, which can be difficult. And so for somebody who I'm sure it was very difficult for her, but it's also difficult for the people nearby who are like, okay, what's happening here? This has become a part of my experience now. So I remember tapping into her grief and saying, wow, she is expressing the grief of mother earth right now. And I'm going to hold space for that. I'm going to be here in that grief with her and have as much compassion as I can possibly hold um, in this moment and then help to send her love and light and, and transmute and alchemize this grief into something beautiful. And so that's my, my experience was like laying there, listening to her and doing like pulling in as much love as I possibly could and directing it her way. Um, but I also had these other really cool experiences that had nothing to do with her, which were almost, and I hope it's okay for me to talk about this so explicitly, but which were almost orgasmic. Like I had these beautiful experiences of almost like energetic orgasms, full body orgasms, um, that were super, super cool. I mean, I, I haven't experienced ayahuasca in the same way since there was something about that container that like really turned on this feminine energy where it was like, I was, I was helping to transmute the grief of mother earth and I was experienced deep pleasure in my body, you know, all at the same time. Um, so that, that's my, that sounds amazing. <laughs> oh my God. Really transmuting grief. <laughs> transmuting grief and experiencing deep pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite funny but it sounds like a cool experience because you did something pleasant and something you know maybe unpleasant but very important at the same time so that's that's cool i love that <laughs> and as i as i know all all experiences of ayahuasca are different so it's hard to compare one experience to the other because depending on what you need in your life right now and depending on your intention i guess every experience is different because these medicines take you where you intend to go so no matter if it's ayahuasca or wachuma or mushrooms or whatever else if you intend for something to happen the energy will go there and it will direct and you'll experience exactly what you're meant to experience. So for those of you who intend for something specific to happen, yes, have an intention and direct the energy there. But remember that you're going to get what you need, not always what you want. <laughs> this is how plant medicine works, <laughs> you know, and this is how healing works in general. We get from the universe what we need, not always what we want. And I'm a living example of it as you know, Sarah, I recently broke up with my partner that was supposed to be my life partner for, for my whole life. And this experience was one of the most profound healing experiences of my life. Did I want it? No. <laughs> Did I need it? Yes. And now I feel even more empowered, even more centered in myself, even more grounded, way less codependent. And all these emotions that I have stored for years in my body, probably 20 plus years since I was a kid, this whole abandonment wound was coming to the surface. And now after I've gone through most of it, maybe not all of it, but most of it, I feel so much better in my body and I feel so much more healthy as well. So even though sometimes we might have experiences that we don't fully enjoy, just remember that we are here to experience life to the fullest and we are meant to feel everything and meant to experience the polarity, both of the darkest of us and the lightest of us. So yeah, just just wanted to give this reminder. So thank you for sharing about this ayahuasca experience. I'm uh, really curious to know about even more plant medicine experiences, but maybe we can talk about it uh, on our next podcast because for today, um, that's going to be it. So thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on the podcast. It was a pleasure to talk to you. And do you have something that you would like to share? Maybe one message to the all the people that are listening to us or maybe to the humanity from you to the whole world. Oh my gosh. That's a lot of um, um, pressure, but I would say no matter, <laughs> no, at all. no matter where you are right now, whether you are in the depths of despair or whether you are elated and happy, um, wherever you are, you are exactly where you need to be right now. And 
find at least five minutes every day to, to dance. And if you can do that, I think absolutely like magic will unfold in your life. Mm, beautiful. I love dancing. So I'm definitely taking this advice on and starting tomorrow. Five minutes of dance <laughs> at least every single day. That's awesome. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. It was a pleasure to talk to you. And I hope to see you next time, maybe in a few months on our podcast again. I would Namaste. love and be honored to be back. Thank you so much, Carolina. Thank you so much, beautiful souls, for being with us today and for watching or listening to us. I hope that you enjoyed listening to Sarah. I loved the conversation with her. And just want to let you know that we are in the process of creating the space where you're going to find all these space holders that I interview and their services. So stay tuned. We'll keep you posted about that. And thank you for listening again. See you next time.